Well, good morning, second service. How are we? Awesome. So uh, here I am with you for week two of our series. A um, little bit out of my typical area here. I'm usually over in the kids' town hallway, but very excited to be sharing with you this morning. Um, last week, Paul was the one who kicked off our series. He spoke about Minecraft and how easily we can lose ourselves into our own sense of reality and the world around us. And so this week, I will be taking a game that I think most people are familiar with. I am going to be talking to you guys today about Monopoly. So quick show of hands. Let's gauge the room here. Monopoly fans, where are you? There are more of you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So Monopoly players, and maybe you don't have to be a Monopoly fan to answer this question. That's fine. Let's see what kind of players I'm dealing with in the room today, okay? Let's see. I am looking for the ones who I play because it's fun. I love games. It's just a great time. All right, we'll see. And now I want my Monopoly Masters. I'm going to use every trick in the book and take every player out until I am number one. Where are you? <laughs> okay. Awesome. So... I'm going to tell you where I fit into that. You ready? None of it. I hate Monopoly. <laughs> um, worst game ever. I do not have great fond memories of Monopoly, but they are amusing. Uh, I actually fall into one of the categories that Paul talked about last week of banned from playing or no one will play with me. That's, that's where I live with that. In fact, we don't own a Monopoly board in our home. We don't play Monopoly in our home. It's just, it's just a no. I haven't played Monopoly in 14 years. The last time I played, I flipped the board and left the room. So, there, there you go. Today's not about my anger issues. I'm going to leave that one to Chris. He's going to cover that ser uh, series uh, later on. He'll handle that part. But for those of us who are not familiar with Monopoly, you go around the board, you buy up all of these properties, you trade properties, and you are trying to outwit all the other players in the game until you're the only one that's left. You have it all, you own everything. And so when this is played correctly, it's a pretty ruthless game. I know this. My level of competitiveness is actually pretty high up there, and I just cannot enjoy this game if I'm not winning. <laughs> no idea where that comes from, but that's just who I am. So competitive ruthlessness aside, Monopoly is actually a really great life example for us of how we can so easily build ourselves up that we start to lose sight of the fact that we're called to build God's kingdom and not our own. In fact, some of us could be in a stage of life where things are going really well. Work is great and we're chasing after that success. Or maybe we're in that I am saving every single penny that I can. I want that new car. I want that new house. I want that big fancy vacation. Perhaps we're focused on the future or the legacy that we're going to leave behind us that we're not paying attention to the things and the people 
in this very moment. In fact, as human beings, we are so quick to look at the things happening in our lives, both positive and negative, and we can quickly take credit or start to lay blame for those things. This is damaging to our own personal relationships with Jesus, but in turn, it starts to affect the relationships that we have with the people around us. When in reality, what we need to be remembering above everything else is that we are called to build God's kingdom, not our own. That's where I'm going to go with you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you just take my words and use them for your glory. I pray that they can be a blessing to someone in this room. I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning sharing your words with others, and I pray that you bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, Bible apps, and you want to go along with me, we are in Philippians chapter 2 today. That is where I'm going to hunker down and focus on some things here. So this is where Paul is writing to the people in Philippi. He's been traveling, just left Macedonia. He's with Timothy, and he's ministering to some newer believers here. And he starts out with some great words of encouragement. Starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. I love how he starts out here. It's so strong reminding the people that they are of one body and of one mind together in their faith. See, when we are filled with the love of Christ, these things come easily to us. When we're living out those behaviors that are living like Jesus in those moments, like Paul is writing about, those little inconveniences, those things that people have said or done that get under our skin, we can let those go quickly. And we can be encouraged in living this way, and these characteristics that we have here are just pouring out of us in everything that we're doing. But when we are not, that's when we start to see some of these negatives that Paul continues writing about. If you look at verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. See, what Paul knows here and what he's sharing with the people in Philippi is that it's not easy to follow Jesus. We are set apart. We are called upon to live our lives in such a way that brings glory to God. But when we're putting our energy and our focus into other things, into our own gain, we can very, very easily be blindsided by all kinds of things that come into our lives, by the earthly things that we want and that we see. 
we all have certain amounts of selfishness in us. And we are capable of letting these things out. And when it's left unchecked, it's damaging. Like I said earlier, it's damaging to our relationship with God. It's damaging to our relationship with others. And then something that we don't often realize, it's damaging to others' relationship with God as well. Because in reality, what we should be saying, what we should be doing, every aspect of our lives should be pointing others back to God. Because when it's all said and done, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. So in verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2, it says, In our relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus. Doing this will accomplish those things that I mentioned, checking your own selfishness at the door, leading others to Jesus, putting God's will above our own. But how? How do we let the message of the gospel be the main focus of our lives? How do we allow that to be the catalyst that reminds us to live a life that is glorifying to God and not to ourselves? So I mentioned earlier, Monopoly is not a game that is located in my house. You won't find it anywhere. I think lots of us could probably say, oh yeah, we have those games that we don't play at home. There, there's a few of those. It gets a little, little heated. So I'm going to give you a little background here. The last time we played this game, we had invited some people over from church. We had just moved, and we were trying to get to know some people, new state, and we were very newly married. And when I say newly married, I mean we were still in that lovey-dovey, everything you do is so adorable, there's nothing on earth that could annoy me about you, phase of life. And... At this point in our marriage, we had not quite discovered the levels that either of us would stoop to to win a board game. <laughs> so I came up with a brilliant plan to win the game. So before anyone arrived at our house, I asked my husband, Michael, hey, how about we join an alliance and we take down every other player on the board, then it's just us standing. It's a win-win situation. I will win-win, right? I was ready for this. In fact, it worked out so well, we managed to get down to three people left on the board, a friend, him, me. And that's when it all went south. See, in my eagerness to put myself on top to get rid of everybody else, I took my eyes off of winning the game itself. We find ourselves doing this often as Christians. We start out so strong, especially early on in our relationship with Jesus. We're excited. We have anticipation for what's coming. We are ready to tackle on the world and bring everyone along for the ride. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to reach people who haven't heard. Somewhere along the way, we start to forget the words that Paul writes in verse 4. Do not look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. A few things I want to focus in today. The first one is let go of selfish ambition. 
There's lots and lots of places in the Bible that we see examples where people get in their own way instead of living out the calling God placed on their lives. Our selfishness clouds our judgment. It causes us to make choices that we really shouldn't, and then it defines those choices. And so we see this a lot in the Old Testament with the Israelites. They're a great example of things aren't going my way. They start whining. They start complaining. They start turning their back on God. They stopped trusting God at his word and started wanting to do things their own way. They lied. They stole. They turned their backs because they wouldn't let go of their own selfishness. Time and again, God gave them opportunity after opportunity. Repent. Come back to me. I'm here for you. We see this again in the story of Samson. This is a great story. I absolutely love it. You have a man blessed by God with supernatural strength, chosen, called out to be a protector, a leader among his people, and one moment of selfishness, of letting that lust take control, and he lost everything. I read this story back, and... My biggest takeaway from it was how humbling must it have been for Samson to wake up one morning and realize that it was gone. Everything that he had worked for, everything God had given him, gone. And then it occurred to me, God has a unique way of humbling us when we need it, and it does not feel good to walk that out. And so... In my game of Monopoly, I found myself in a similar situation. I had painted myself into a corner at this point where I had given all of the advantages over to my husband. He could see that I was losing. I could see that I was losing. Everyone in the room could see that I was losing. And so he started giving me chances to back out gracefully. He was like, Try this. This will be fine. No one will notice that you're totally, totally failing at this game. He was very, very sweet about it. And I, being who I am, chose the opposite. If I was going down, I was taking him with me. <laughs> I was determined. I cannot be the only one in the room who has done this, right? Like, do I have some people in the room? Like, I'm playing my game, and if I'm going down, everybody's going down. There we go, some honesty. Okay. <laughs> All right, all right, feels good. But isn't it funny that when you find yourself in those positions and grace is offered to you, it's so hard to accept it? And we do that with God and the grace that he offers to us. Secondly, we build God's kingdom when we humbly value relationships. Up until this point in the game, our night had been fun. We were getting to know new couples. We were having just a fun time of fellowship together. And we figured a game night was going to be fun. Living out the words of Philippians 2. Surrounding ourselves with like-minded people and building those relationships. Looking back, Monopoly probably not the best choice to do this. Right? Not for me. But in the midst of this game, 
Seeing that I had no chance of winning, I made a very critical decision. I let my frustration get the better of me. I saw that I couldn't win, I got mad about it, and I ended up upending an entire game board and leaving the room. Looking back at this moment, it defines a lot for me because I was doing the exact opposite of what Jesus would have done. We can so easily fall into those moments of things aren't going my way. I'm going to throw a temper tantrum. I don't want to do it anymore. I quit. I give up. I'm done. Or on the flip side of that, we find so much success that we let it puff up our egos to the point that we forget that all we have and all we've done is because of God. And what makes these things so significant is in the middle of it, we stopped living our lives for others, with others in our mind. See, Jesus didn't do this. Every decision, every situation, everything he said and did was because he valued relationships. He valued his relationship with us. He valued our relationship with God. His sole purpose of going to the cross was to bridge the gap between us and God and create unity between us and God forever. This is the kind of encouragement that Paul is trying to give here in Philippians in verses 1 and 2 when he's reminding them that being united in Christ generates in us comfort, love, tenderness, and compassion. That night, all of that had gone out the window for me. And looking back, I don't ever want to imagine what my life would be like without Jesus at the center. It's easy for us as we get comfortable in our faith, in our relationship with Jesus, we can claim all of our successes as our own. Look what I did, me. We get so excited when things go well and we get that pat on the back, job well done, I'm so proud of you, you nailed it. And there's nothing wrong with that appreciation. But it's when we let that take control, we open ourselves up to trouble. Just as easily we can find ourselves getting too comfortable to the point that we stop working to build God's kingdom at all. In his book, The Freedom for Self-Forgetfulness, Tim Keller wrote this quote, spiritual pride is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives, achieve our own sense of self-worth, and find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. That's good. See, sometimes we find ourselves where we are so comfortable with where we are in our relationship with Jesus that we look to others to start doing the things that we deem beneath us. I've seen instances where people are like, oh man, look at that mess on the floor. Someone else will get it. And they just walk on by. I've seen instances where people think, I can't volunteer. I'm not good enough. No one wants me. No one wants to hear from me. Someone else will come along and do it. Then it reaches the point that we stop looking for opportunities to reach out to others. Our generosity lessens. 
our excitement starts to burn out. Why? We've forgotten the words, the actions, the way we live our lives, the things that motivate us are supposed to be pointing others to God. Finally, we need to realize it's not about us. It's about him. Every single thing we say and do is about him. Philippians 2.5 tells us in our relationship with others, we must have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We can be the most popular influencer on social media, have tons of money, success in our career, and still fall totally and completely short of what God wants for our lives. When I was thinking about this, one of the best examples that came to my mind was Judas. And now when people hear the name Judas, most of the time they go to, that's the dude who sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, did the thing. No, he's bad. We don't like him, right? But he's so much more than that. This is a man that devoted years of his life following Jesus, learning at his side, seeing miracles play out, and hearing Jesus preach to thousands. And he never got it. He was right there in the middle of it all, and he missed it. Despite the things that he saw and the things that he was learning, he was still a thief. Judas had this earthly idea of what Jesus was about. In his mind, here's Jesus, the Messiah, the man who has come to conquer the world. He's going to destroy the earthly kingdoms and the kings, and he is going to set up a place here to take care of his people, and I'm one of them, and I'm so proud. But it wasn't it. If we put it in terms of the game of Monopoly, Jesus was there. He had arrived. In fact, if you continue further into Philippians chapter 2, going into verse 6, it says this about Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus had monopoly. He was on top of the world. He had it all, and he chose to leave the glory and splendor of heaven to share the love of God, to save us from ourselves and the sins of the world without a single hesitation. This is what verse 5 is asking of us, to be in the same mindset of Jesus, to freely give ourselves to others the way Jesus did, to be so in sync with God that he is what flows out of everything we say and do. Monopoly is a game designed to build your empire by being able to outwit and outmaneuver your other players so that you come out on top in the end. Monopoly is a game about you. And this is the kind of empire that Judas was expecting Jesus to create, 
What he missed was that it's God's kingdom, not ours. So this morning I want to wind down and I want to ask you, are you living out your life? Am I living out a life that adds value to God's kingdom? Or are we bankrupting the kingdom of God with our own wants and needs and desires? We might be able to find ourselves falling into one of the three areas that I talked about today. So first, what selfish thing is driving you currently? Maybe you found success in your own ambitions. You're doing so well at work. You got that promotion. And it's gotten to a point where you don't want to give God the glory for it. Is it an attitude that says, you know, I'm better off on my own. I can do this whole life thing without God. Or I'm busy right now. I can't go to church. I can't volunteer. I don't have time. Perhaps we are finding ourselves in this area where we ask ourselves, are we valuing the relationships that we have? Too often we can find ourselves in a place where we're not willing to speak into someone's life. We reach a point of comfortability and we start overlooking being a spiritual voice to the people around us or allowing those other spiritual voices to speak into our own lives. Maybe we're so worried of offending the person next to us or being offended by some form of correction that we keep silent out of fear. Jesus never held back correcting someone or reaching out to a person that was in need. But he always did it from a place of love. So maybe today there's someone in this room that would say, I need that loving spirit to share with others or to let someone in to speak to me. Finally, let me ask you, how are you pointing others to Jesus? Have we become so obsessed with that next promotion or so worried about where the future is leading us, we've become stagnant? We've just stopped. Maybe we're acting like Judas and we've let that ambition take control to the point that we have lost sight of the fact that we are supposed to be the light of the world. We are the ones called to show others how to live, and we're supposed to do this in a way that glorifies God and points others back to him. I want to tell you today that no matter where you find yourself, God has a place for you. His desire is for us to be one with him. When we trust in him, when we know that he is in control, when we let him have that control, and we start doing all that we can to the best of our ability for his glory, it's then that we are building his kingdom and not our own. Pray with me today. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I lift up each and every person in this room. Maybe we've fallen into one of these places where we have let that selfish ambition take control and it's gotten to a point that we don't even realize. 
Or maybe we have put so much on the things that we're doing and achieving, our goals, that we're not looking at the lives around us and asking ourselves, who am I touching now? Who am I pointing to you? God, it's about you. It's always been about you. It'll always be about you. And so I thank you now for the opportunity to share these words, to be one with you and a group of people and say, I know it's your kingdom. I know it's about you and not about me. And God, I want to let go of those things that are holding me back. I pray for those in the room right now that are wanting to be bold, are wanting to step forward and say, you know, that's me. I have been selfish. I have just stopped moving forward. I lift each of those people up to you right now, God. I thank you for the work that you can do in them and through us. I praise you and I give you this day in your name. Amen. Please join us.